Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Lost in the Groove with your host, Mike and Dave. Today, we'll be talking about life, society, as well as we can make things better, start a new day for a better tomorrow. Let's continue with the intro music so we can start today's podcast. guys and welcome to lost in the groove today is season three episode seven uh we're gonna be talking about other plant-based solutions like kratom kava and chilajet like always guys thank you so much to our sponsor anchor and be sure to check out our patreon page at patreon.com slash lost in the groove for your chance to be part of our community so we can get to know you and we get to have some fun together we get lost in the groove so without further ado mike i always do this to you man i'm i'm so fucking sorry <laughs> i'd like to take it away uh, I, don't know how, I don't know how that started where you just take it away but you know what fuck it it's your take honor it take it away man well, up to this point, we've talked about uh, the many aspects of cannabis and its derivatives like CBD. There's so much info in the world of cannabis and new info is discovered frequently now that research is more regulated and available. Um, and in today's episode, we want to open up the subject of other plant-mediated solutions that many people around the country and the world have chosen to either explore or use frequently as an alternative. In this episode, we'll break down a list of some of these plants and how people are using them, the history, and why people are using them in the first place. So, you know, the first thing is Kratom. This is one of the, one of the first things I discovered in the uh, early 20-teens. Uh, um, it was quite remarkable. It's, do, you want to think, do you want to think funny? Yeah. So on Twitter... <clears throat> one of our uh, followers is a kratom farmer. If you check on Twitter, one of our followers, he grows kratom for a living. Really, yeah. really cool guy. Check him out afterwards. Really cool. Just, just, just letting you know. Yeah, I'll check. I'll check him out. But it's uh, yeah. There's a growing number of them, especially with uh, uh, the regulation on the horizon. We'll talk about that later in the episode, but yeah, uh, I mean, ma- 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 mostly what we're going to focus on is kind of what is kratom, you know, like what what's the science behind it, what classifies it as a medicinal plant. <clears throat> uh, you know, you mentioned it's not classified yet, but. It's it's mostly like user supported or reported. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I mean you you mentioned you mentioned this uh, where there was a documentary called Leaf of Faith. It was on on Netflix. It you know shed a, a lot of light on this back then, like this explosion of interest. You know that began shortly afterward. I mean, but, it was it was very quick, man. After after that. Uh, document uh, uh, document uh, mentory to uh, the interest was insane and so many people discovered it shortly after that uh, it's 
you know, there are aspects of um, like some of their active ingredients that have been determined to be classified as medicinal. But um, again, like later, just stick around. Well, let's get through the first part and I'll explain to the listeners um, each part of these sections here. But uh, yeah, like that, that was, that was something that really increased the visibility of creative because the prior 10 years before that, it was really underground. Very few people knew about it. I mean, very few. Well, I mean, um, I think next season we're going to be doing psychedelics. Uh, we'll, we'll see, but it's kind of like ayahuasca. Um, ayahuasca is, is known, but wasn't very well known. I mean, that was, that was like a Native American, even further, like Aztec and Inca. Yeah, that was South like American. A, yeah. South American. It was a very ancient plant that they never discussed with outside world ever. I feel like this kind of applies also with Kratom. You know, you, you mentioned uh, countries in Southeast Asia, such as Indonesia and Thailand. These are very pagan oriented religions that are based in these countries that are around the plants and the trees and the nature and all these types of healings, it would make sense why most of the world wouldn't know, you know, would people from Thailand talk about their culture to the entire world globally about this hundreds of years before? No, no, of course not. But it's only because of the internet now that, yeah, uh, and and people do travel more. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's the bottom line. People are traveling and they're discovering it. But uh, you know, the uh, the most important question I think most uh, most would ask right now is like, what it what is it? Well, kratom is known as Mitragina speciosa, and to keep it short, it's a plant native to Southeast Asia, such right. as what you said, Indonesia, like Indonesia and Thailand, Thailand. Yeah. And it's been around a long time. I mean, their people have known about it. Uh, natives within the regions have used it for centuries. And it's important <laughs> to note that Kratom is a plant genetically related to coffee. So naturally it is stimulating, but there's more to it than that. And it's, um, and that yeah, kind of brings coffee, us to the science. Yeah. But coffee grows beans. Whereas Kratom does not? I mean, they're leaves. They're not beans. But um, on a genetic level, like they're close. If we've ever looked at plants, um, there's, there's going to be similarities. But, yeah. but in a physical form, there may not be anything that would suggest there's any, like any type of um, shared genetics. But scientifically when you look at it but but you mentioned which is very important because coffee is a stimulant it stimulates you right right so in actuality that makes a lot of sense kratom also is a stimulating plant so it would make sense they are related because they share those compounds that's the word compounds they have the compounds inside of them that they share yeah, I mean, and there's so much more to it. Of course. Yeah, like of course. The, the the stimulating aspect is the most obvious one, but what people have um, said, the tens of millions of people who use it over the uh, the number of years, it's um, 
it's far far more special than just a coffee replacement. So it it, it basically leads us to the science, right? I mean, right. What is the science behind it? And um, we can say that the research conducted by the AKA and other organizations. So the AKA is the American Kratom Association. Not KKK. It's AKA. Hop on Twitter. Give them a follow. They're spending a lot of dollars to continue the research, to continue lobbying against um, uh, any potential bans uh, by Congress or the FDA. They're they're worth your time. So uh, give them that support and give them a follow. So it's it's A is an alpha, K is in kilo, A is an alpha. Yep. A K A. Yeah, American Kratom Association. Um, they're they're literally the the foundation of the the fight against keeping uh, any ban off the table. But there's other organizations too that have funded um, the the research behind it, and uh, it's brought back some interesting results. Of course, many other organizations want to conduct research. So that's independent studies by universities, the FDA. Uh, and over the years, what we have learned is definitely remarkable. The studies have broken down the chemical makeup of Kratom, showing us that it's definitely more than just a coffee-like plant. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy to like to even think about this. The chemical makeup and report showed us that there are 25 alkaloids, active ingredients, Two out of the 25 were determined to be the most active in lab tests used on animals, but also observed in humans as well. The other 23 aren't necessarily inactive or useless. This is where the studies will help to identify the overall understanding of how this plant works in the human body and brain. I think that's remarkable because a plant that has active ingredients, active natural properties, yeah. And two of those were strictly identified. One of those were patented by one of the largest pharmaceuticals in the, uh, the world. Um, and that, that creates a lot of, um, a lot of different feelings by people, naturally. So people that are uh, part of the community, uh, uh, you know, what I have said for years, and this applies towards cannabis too, is, you know, there's a reason why something does what it does in its natural state, when you try to synthesize or mimic what occurs in um, in nature, you often don't get the results you're seeking or just varied results. It's very it's very difficult sometimes. There's a uh, <clears throat> you've watched Star Trek, so you should know this. They have a room in in Star Trek where you create a virtual world where you can touch everything, feel everything, walk around. It's the holodeck. Just- Holodeck. Yeah. Exactly. It's pretty awesome. It it is pretty awesome. But in actuality, I think the great way of thinking of synthesizing is kind of like creating a holodeck. It's a plant. It's a genetic modified holographic image meant to feel and look and smell and taste like the plant. But it's not actually the plant. It's a holographic image. It's a mirrored image of once it's true copy. I mean, but... That you know, that's that's still, an, a pl- still a plant. It's one way to look at it, sure, but it's an innocent way of looking at it because the the other I'm side. Tr- I'm trying to give it a, a very simple 
understanding to this. So having an understanding of what is synthesizing is exactly giving that idea of imagine the holodeck from Star Trek, where it feels, touches, smells, and looks like the plan. But it, remember, it's a holographic image. It's a mere copy. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just giving that interpretation. I rest my case, Your Honor. Hopefully it's useful to the listeners. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, ultimately it's um, the two alkaloids that were observed um, are Mitri D9 and Hydra 7 Mitri D9. And both interact in a specific receptor of the brain. Wait, this wait, is, okay, wait, wait. One is, but they both sound, wait. Oh, mitrogenine and hydra. Doesn't hydra mean water? Yeah. So what does mitrogene mean? I mean, that's the uh, one of the alkaloids, one of the active ingredients. So one of the uh, active ingredients is water. Uh, there's water in the ingredient or the molecule or chemical compound, but it's not just water. So there are, those are the two that were observed to work. Uh, and both interact in a very specific receptor of the brain. This is where many people who use it say they are getting uh, effective pain relief, energy, and or both, wait, 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 as wait, well wait, as many wait, other wait. things. You've mentioned this before. We said painkillers, in most cases, will work better than medicinal plants. So when you say pain relief, you don't mean like severe pain. You mean like a headache or I don't know, like a scrape. What do you mean by pain relief? What, what, what intensity of pain relief do you mean? That's definitely um, subjective based on the person. I mean, if you take something like Kratom and it's working, then it's working. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. You may need to experiment a little bit more, but uh, each individual has to decide for themselves. It's, uh, you know, this is what I tell people when I meet them and they're interested in this is they'll ask, well, you know, this is what I'm going through. Will this work? Well, we don't know, like no one can know for sure. And it depends on the, the severity of the situation. So people with back pain, you know, uh, kind of slip discs, um, injury related pain, car accidents, like, yeah, this will work. And it may not be necessarily as effective as something prescribed to you, but there's tens of millions of people that use it for this purpose with varying degrees of, um, uh, of, uh, of pain and their circumstances will most certainly vary. But ultimately, um, they're saying it's working. And this is over a course of uh, the last five plus years. Um, there's other, you know, there's other facets to it too. Doesn't stop there. So this is where the studies will really come in handy. Trying to understand the other 23 alkaloids, uh, the the combination of how they all work together. Um, because uh, initially, when the FDA and universities studied this, they're just trying to identify like what is the most immediate thing that's working. Like, cool, they identified it, but. The research doesn't stop there. We definitely need more study. Um, and there's a likelihood that we'll discover that uh, the other 23 do something in combination with the other two. So all 25, 
it's possible that they may find different uses for the other 23 if they wanted to synthesize and use it in a different way. Uh, but for now, this is what the science is showing. And um, it's still very early. I mean, we're talking just a handful of years. I mean, like <clears throat> across the globe, many governments have become aware of Kratom by now, right? Most have, have taken a step back to observe, you know, some have taken this drastic legal actions and some have moved to legalize its use. Why are governments taking an interest in this plan in not so many words? Often it has more to do with powerful big pharma lobbying, pushing governments to take action as this plant has been found to be very effective for most people in the tens of millions globally. The industry of medicine has in turn taken a big reduction of profits as most people decide the plant is a safer alternative than you know, a traditional pain management regimen. Really, yeah, it's really important that people understand that uh, uh, in this country, in our country, we have a problem with, uh, uh, with overprescribing. Um, it's been going on for a long time. We're seeing lawsuits now. Some of them have settled. Purdue was definitely on that docket recently, and they settled in court. Um, and what they paid in settlements were such small amounts compared to the uh, the profits they gained. Do you remember? Do you remember the story about Prince? Yeah. And it was it was heart wrenching because here you have a man that he had an injury, he had a horrible injury, extremely painful injury, and he was just over prescribed painkillers, <clears throat> just so much. And it got to a point his body could not take it anymore. Like it was too much. He did not he did not deserve to die like that. It's really important to note that like pain management is a real issue and we need safer alternatives to really guide people uh, in terms of um, helping them discover and also build the right uh, the right plans for themselves. I mean, you trust your doctor, and rightfully so. They, they'll save your life more often than not. But when we're talking about pain management, for some people, pain is forever. It doesn't go away. If it's an injury, if it's uh, you break your back, you get into a car accident, chances are you're never going to be pain-free. So how do you manage that? This is an aspect that I've educated on for the last 10 years. And it's, uh, it's, it's helped thousands easily. Um, the yeah, stories but, I've heard are, are numerous. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, as of now, the USA has taken a step back and has asked citizens and users to provide feedback to the FDA. I mean, so they can kind of be able to understand the circumstances, which, you know, this plant is used and its effectiveness and what's its outcome this is after many years of banned attempts by the FDA and the DEA. Interesting. The, the public outcry has been substantial, and it's the first time we've ever seen such a result from governing bodies where they're actually withdraw, withdrawing themselves and taking a different tone or a completely different approach from the get-go. I mean, you know, one country has moved to legalize it as they have been more pro progressive in this area. This country is a native country of the of the plant, and it's Thailand. 
you know, other countries still are working various details on how of now, but for now, it kind of just remains open to the public. I mean, that's so true. It's this governing party of like, no, you can't do this. You cannot. And then they have to push back because it's getting to a point where like, they don't have control of the situation. But yeah. Yeah, they they definitely lost control of the situation. Yeah. I mean, you you know, like we were mentioning with Thailand, I mean, they're advancing, being more progressive and being able to understand it more clearly because their country is like, you know what? Fuck it. Do it. Just uh, do it. I mean, they, it's possible they understand um, the situation a little bit better. It's native to their country. It's been around for a long time. That just that general region. Um, and I mean, as of like now, you know, the question is why, why these drastic measures? From the research and the many reports over the years, it's shown that people are using it for many purposes. They're seeing results. A lot of them are happy. Um, the science showed that the receptor the alkaloids interact with are the same as opioids, and that sent a shockwave through governing bodies of our country, which is really um, kind of bizarre, considering that we're supposed to be science-based. Uh, this is the info they shared with the public, naturally with uh, very little details, the FDA said, because it interacts with the same part of the brain as opioids, it makes it an opioid and thus dangerous. And such a statement from a scientific agency. That, was, that's <clears throat> that's but, such shit. Yeah, it's that's asinine. Such fucking shit. I'm sorry. I mean, they're supposed to base it on science, but there's there's very little well, science there. Hey, hey, what, what's, what's fucking next? People are going to be like, you can't put poppy seeds on your bagel because once upon a time, that could have been <laughs> opium, so you can't have your fucking poppy <laughs> bagel. Yeah, try to tell that to all the New Yorkers out here. Yeah. They'll strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know they love them bagels out there, man. But it, it, it's, it, it's, it's the same scenario with literally burnt poppy seeds put on a bagel. That yeah. same type of thinking, it's like... Yeah, imagine. Imagine any any other thing, you know, taking that same approach. But this is what they told people. It was really uh, just a stupid excuse. And, um, you know, what did we, you know, what did we see? Like, ultimately, the, the, the science was disregarded. I mean, think about this, right? <clears throat> if the plan was so dangerous... And a country like Thailand, which has been using it for thousands, God knows how long. I mean, they would have been a fucked up society, right? I mean, so if it's got opium and it, it opiates, sorry, and it's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't be looking to legalize it. No, I mean, they, they would like ban it immediately, but they're all open arms. So there might be, there's obviously something more to it. And, um, and at least there's, Somebody's looking into it. I mean, it's it, these are scare tactics. Ultimately, uh, they continue to tell the public false or unsubstantiated info about the dangers of kratom use, and millions of people use it every day. They're they're not seeing the the dangers, though it's not completely uh, danger free either. I mean, uh, you abuse anything, you're going to suffer. So it's there. You know, there's that to really consider. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, just giving another example, chocolate, which is fairly benign, hundreds of millions eat it every day, 
But it's important to note that even this benign product stimulates the same receptor. So does coffee. So do many other things. How about something even more interesting to note? Infants and human breast milk. You have heard the saying, you need to wean your infant off breast milk and onto solid food. Why would you need to wean off? It's because even the breast milk stimulates the same part of the brain and infants become attached to the feeling they get when feeding on breast milk. So in short, when we're babies, we're high off of breast milk. We get stoned off of breast milk. We're I like, mean, we're not like, exactly, hey, but... hey man, <laughs> pass me the breast milk, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just that. I mean, think of it from 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 an in, you know from from a perspective of being an infant. Like you come into the world, um, and this is not only your nourishment, but it's your connection to you know the the person that gave you life. It's it's a very close bonding experience, but more importantly the the stimulation the 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 sweetness of the breast milk all of it it's stimulating the same part of the brain and um it's at the end of the day it's silly that they take this argument and say it must be an opioid because it's you know stimulating the same part of the brain it creates a similar high i can't i can't well look the reality is that we are a chemically driven species yes so fuck yes Mind and body, it's, it's, you know, it's we're made, of, we're, made, we're made of chemicals. So, you know, virtually everything we do, right, virtually everything we touch or eat or interact with uh, can create uh, chemicals in our brain that are released. That's, you know, the, the body creates adrenaline when, you, when you're in danger, when you're doing something exciting, like that's a, that's a drug that could be dangerous, but no. It's not. You can continue to jump out of planes for the adrenaline rush that you get or skydive, you know, or jump off a cliff, whatever, you know, or climb, a, you know, climb a mountain, whatever it is. But these, it's these are, the uh, it's the same. You know, what? it's the same thing with the cannabis. You know, people are like, you know, cannabis, it's addictive and um, it makes you non, you know, non-functional and all of this. It's um, the truth is a lot of the times it's a way that it comforts you. You know, no two people are affected by coffee the same way. That's true. Some people, they drink coffee. They're like down, mopey, can't move, lethargic. Coffee, wake up instantly. Some people drink coffee in the middle of the night. They're able to sleep for for 14 hours. I'm one of those people. I can drink coffee right Same after here. the right after this podcast and still go to bed and no problems. Same here. I I can literally drink a whole bottle of Pepsi and I can go to sleep. So it's it definitely varies from person to person. The biology is very important too. Yeah, and that's the point is is that you know we mentioned this before. <clears throat> we're every single person is affected differently. Things that are legally you know, approved by the FDA, have the same principle. Coffee. Chocolate is another one of these. We mentioned this a little bit earlier. Chocolate affects people differently. There are some people that dislike chocolate because of the way that it, it affects their brain. This is a real thing. People don't, <laughs> people don't like that. Chocolate. But, 
<laughs> Don't mess with my New York accent, man. Be very oh. care- just be very careful. Hey, I'm from the East Coast too, man. I live. Chocolate. Yeah, we, we say chocolate. chocolate. We, we say chocolate. Yeah. Water. I don't say water. I say water. Water. No, there's an R at the end of it, man. <laughs> water. <laughs> because I'm from Boston. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, listen, buddy. Not over here. <laughs> we, you know, look, we can do this because I'm a fellow New Yorker. Proud of it. But, uh, yeah. Like this is um, this is a reality where we don't realize how <clears throat> many things are very unpredictable with people, but we're trying to believe like, oh, it's safe. It's safe because the fucking FDA was like, hey, we put a label on it and now it's kosher. No, it's yeah, pretty, not. Pretty no, much. it's not. Pretty much. Sometimes that's all it takes. I mean, it. It. You know, there are clinical trials for drugs used to take much longer. Why do you think they've been reduced? It's. It's called lobbying. There's like, influ- it's, it's influence. Influence. Yeah. It's there's too, too much, much money. money. Too much influence. Too much money. Too much lobbying. I mean, clinical trials now are. Uh, I want to say 12, 24 months, 12 to 24 months. And then if they can pass, they get the uh, approval from the FDA. Uh, it used to take a lot longer than that because they, they were much more serious about what we were putting into people's bodies as like as labeled as medicine. It's not, you know, it's not like that anymore. Um, and it, dollars have a lot to do with it naturally. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, you know, we're get, guys, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss on how do people use Kratom and what exactly for what. Anyway, uh, this would be a good time for you guys to be introduced to our sponsor, which is Anchor. See you guys in a few. Hey, guys, we are back for more Lost in the Groove. Uh, we are picking up from how do people use Kratom? And for what? Yeah. Well, important question because uh, I even got an email today from somebody who was like, well, how do you feel about Kratom? And unfortunately, the FDA just ties our hands in terms of what we can say because right now it's uh, deemed not for human consumption, even though people do. So, I mean, how, how are they using it? Kratom does come in different forms, capsules, powder, extract liquids. Um, the capsules are the simplest. The powder usually is mixed with water, tea, or citrus drinks to reduce the bitter taste because to be honest with you, it tastes like shit, but that's not the point. Um, the extracts are not really recommended, especially if you're new. Um, but they do have a specific uh, application. Their uses um, for very specific needs. There, it's it's useful, but I don't recommend it for people who are just kind of starting. Uh, I do know retailers that will push you onto those immediately, and it's not really it's not recommended. If you're new to it, there's no reason to begin there. Um, it just really messes up your tolerance levels. And once you get used to that, and if it's working, you don't really ever consider 
the like natural kratom leaf the, that comes capsulized or it comes in a powder, which would have worked just fine too um, at much better prices. The value is so much better there than extracts. So it's, um, it's important to note that like extracts are concentrated forms of kratom powder and are generally enhanced to be stronger with smaller amounts. And this is why I say that. Um, so what are people using it for? It's naturally what most people would wonder. Uh, some use it for energy. We know that it's genetically related to coffee, so it is stimulating. Some use it for pain relief and uh, millions have reported this. It's better than traditional alternatives. <clears throat> and it's determined to be safer uh, by the tens of millions of people who use it. There's some that use it as a mood enhancer to improve their overall mood throughout the day. And of course, we have a group of people who are using it to mitigate the symptoms of withdrawals of opioids and heroin. Yeah, we, we, spoke, <clears throat> we spoke about this. So um, this is important to mention. Actually, 1972 or 1973 was the last year of research for heroin addicts to wean them off. So we've been using the same technique we've been using since 19. Just try to remember this. This is how much we care about people that are addicted to drugs. Uh, <clears throat> but there was research that's been come out that to wean people off of, you know, the opiates and the heroin is through kratom. Because you remember, how do you get a heroin addict um, weaned off? Stimulants. Things that stimulate them, because that's what heroin does. It creates this delusional happiness, euphoria you're giving the person a stimulant. So it's as you go on, you're lessening the stimulant, but they don't have a drive to do anything else. But this is doing it in a healthier way. Instead of giving, I got what medication they use. Horrible, horrible side effects. But this is a healthy alternative. Is there that much research on this or not that, or not that much? Um, in this department, yeah, like they've been conducting research for some time. This is one of the reasons why the FDA had to take a step back, but they took a different direction this time for uh, for banning it. Um, they took a step back because they they do see that um, there's a growing need for an alternative, especially among those who abuse um, illicit drugs, including prescription drugs, um, and they see that it is effective. And so many people are saying so. Uh, they had they had to listen. But uh, it didn't mean they had to stop. So the different direction they're taking is a global one now. They're trying to get the World Health Organization to uh, clamp down on Kratom. And that's, uh, that's incredibly dangerous. I mean, <clears throat> look, like ultimately some of these individual moves toward abusing Kratom, right? Yeah, which, some do. Yeah, I mean, like, which makes it much less effective long term. But the case is very, most people are responsible and use it as such to deal with their circumstances day in and day out. Same thing with cannabis, by the way. People don't realize a lot of people that do take cannabis, like me and so many others, we do have a regimen. Some of us have actually created a regimen of how to make it work. There are many people that don't, but it's been debunked that cannabis makes you this so-called hippie statistic where you sit around and do nothing the whole day that's been debunked but you see over here where 
There have been cases where the media and the FDA has shared with the public stories of fatal uses of creative, kind of similar with cannabis, like it makes you stupid. You don't do anything. But those stories have been debunked over the years. Most cases where someone has died with creative in the system or other much more serious substances were also found in their system as well. I mentioned this to you. There's a problem in New York where people were dying of cannabis, right? It turns out it was K2. Yeah, the synthetic. Synthetic, synthetic yeah. cannabis. So it was completely misled. They're calling it cannabis, but it wasn't even real. And, <clears throat> you know, much more serious substances, you know, like that. That information oftentimes was remitted from the story or included at the bottom of the article where the journalists now know most won't read to the end. So this is the thing. It's like they're giving us all these stories. They're telling us all of this, like it's bad. It's terrible. But was it K2? Was it heroin infused? Was there other substances involved? You have to tell us that. Why isn't it mentioned? It's not mentioned in the beginning because it won't, you know, it won't get the headline. It won't get the clicks. So, you know, uh, these are the people we trust to bring us real news information. Um, and they don't they don't do us justice. So I've seen cases like this um, over the course of 10 years, uh, less than a handful. And every time they report something like this, you'll notice that, no, this person didn't die from Kratom. They also had opioids in their system. They also had um, many other things in their system. Oftentimes what we see is people who abuse something very serious, whether it's heroin or opioids or other illicit drugs, they're using Kratom to just ease the the withdrawals, the pain of withdrawals um, from those drugs. And they may have heard that the Kratom can help, so they try. So yeah, it just happens to be in their system. It wasn't the cause of death, though. Right. <clears throat> you know, moving moving forward from this, you know, we've been talking about Kratom uh, for quite some time. There are two other plants we do want to talk about, which is Kava and Shilajet. I hope I'm saying that correctly. You are. Uh, kava <clears throat> is an interesting one because Kava is also a plant, right? And as far as I was reading, it comes from Polynesian islands. Like Hawaii is a Polynesian island. Um, and, uh, you know, m- mentioning also where it's a popular social drink. It's, you know, uh, it's kind of one of those beverages that's served in ceremonies uh, to promote relaxation. Uh, I don't really know that much about Hawaiian culture. It's very fascinating. Uh, <clears throat> very interesting that they make a plant drink. Yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of drinks made from plants now. It's growing in popularity, and like consider it like this: that the reason why that's the medium of consumption is because it's just easier. Um, if it was easier to smoke, maybe they would. I mean, it's just what, what or let's say marketable, right? What's going to make it more marketable uh, as a product? They put it into a drink. Yeah, but there's also <clears throat> there has been safety concerns about kava. You know, the, the fact that there have been cases of liver damage and even some deaths that have been traced to kava use. You know, I mean, I mean, like, because of these reports, kava was withdrawn from the market in Europe and Canada in the early 2000s. You know, however, like most countries have allowed kava to return to the market since that time. Kava's never been taken off the market in the United States. 
So I, I, you know, that's an interesting to talk about. I mean, if it causes such serious damage, right, and America is like crazy on cannabis and crazy on kratom, but this can cause, yeah, liver damage, and they don't yeah. give two shits about. Yeah, I, not I, even, not even a mention, like not even a, not even a gloss over. Uh, but it could very well be that uh, there's just not enough evidence to substantiate those claims. I mean. Um, it, you know, I'd ask how much did that person use to have liver, liver damage? Were they using something else? Um, there's so many questions. We, it's easy to point the finger at one thing, uh, but I always like to dive a little bit deeper. I know you do as well, Dave. I mean, it's also, this is important, you know, uh, psilocybin. <laughs> which is an hallucinogenin, right? <clears throat> it's gotten a very bad rap, very bad rap, because there's this illusion of, oh, it's an hallucinogenin, so it has to be bad because it's called, it's tricking your brain. Actually, it's the total opposite, <clears throat> where you have a chemical compound that's inducted into your brain that opens certain parts of your brain to depict different things because... The way that you visualize and interpret the world is your own visual. Your eyes are not actually showing you the world. The brain is telling you what the world looks like through your eyes. It's a whole different perspective. So when you look at this, you can kind of take it from that account as well as, okay, it's causing all this damage and all of this to the human body. But it's a plant that not, I don't know if this has been proven yet, that has medicinal properties, right? How are they infecting the brain that you interpret your reality in regards to pain relief, stimulants like mood, <clears throat> among others? Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, I'm a huge fan of psilocybin and I've used it for years and I will continue to. And that's why it's exciting that our next season will be about Ooh. psychedelics. And we're so. going to I'm going to try to get Henry on to the podcast for a couple of episodes. Awesome. Um, Oh, I know. It's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know, Henry, but he sounds like he can definitely provide a lot of value and information. And yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we're really we're really excited about this. You guys are going to really love him. So you guys should stick around. Uh, he's a really cool hippie, just like us. Uh, he's from Utah. He lives in Cali. Uh, but yeah, getting getting back to this. <clears throat> so, so yeah, Kava. Let's talk. Let's finish up with kava. I mean, yeah, of course. So most commonly used for anxiety, and this is one of the things that I had discovered about it early on too. Shortly after I discovered kratom, I discovered kava. Uh, I just went the, down the rabbit hole myself. I mean, um, ten years ago, I was just curious and was wondering, like, what is all this stuff, and uh, what does this world look like? And as I dived deeper and met, you know, made more connections in these industries. Um, there was a whole world that opened up and that's when I discovered like, Hey, this is useful. How is it useful? What, you know, what can we do with it? Some people take kava for stress and restlessness, sleeping problems like insomnia and many other conditions. Uh, there's obviously, you know, we have to say based on the scientific data, there's no evidence to support these cases. These are all, uh, user reported cases, but when you do, have millions of people saying this it's it's difficult to deny however <clears throat> however I, I am a person of science and i do believe that the way to clinically 
analyze the information and the data is for a team of scientists to be able to show us the facts. Whether, you know, millions of people's views, that's great. But if we have scientists, researchers that come together and say, hey, we've tested it on the molecular level, and we can scientifically prove what it can benefit, I think that's a very crucial point. I'm not disregarding the millions of people that are benefiting from it. I think the crucial point is to have those scientists to give us that information. I, I mean, but this is where it all begins, Dave. Of course. It, it begins with people deciding to try an alternative, finding that it works, making these self-reported claims. And from there, there might be enough interest or money invested into research science to uh, to un- better understand the chemicals or the, the plant and the chemicals in that plant, how they interact in the brain. Um, you know, even science requires money. And in order to get that money, you need enough people interested to want to uh, hand over that money so they can figure out how this might be useful to them. Investors want return on investment. And so that becomes, well, what do we, you know, what can we gain out of that investment as an investor? Uh, Is it a patented formula? Is it something? So time will tell. It's still... It's still, right. it's still fairly early. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think also important thing to look in regards to kava is how does it work? You know, kava affects the brain, right? And other parts of the central death, central nervous system. Sorry, my English sucks tonight. I apologize about this. The kava lactones, correct me if I'm saying this wrong in kava are believed to be the responsible for its effect. Kava, or is it kava kava? Is, 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 is that really? That's, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what some call it, kava kava. Uh, but I mean, it, it's no reason to say it twice. It's kava. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, uh, you know, uh, but contains substances called kava pro, kava prones? Yes. Sure. I mean, it's close enough. Sure. All right. (laughs) They act much like alcohol on your brain. Interesting. Making you feel calm, relaxed, and happy. The plant is also thought to relieve pain, prevent seizures, relax muscles. You can buy it as an herbal supplement online in health food stores. So it's it's only produced as a supplement, not anything else. No, it's not. It's not considered medicinal or anything like that. That that again, there's there's restrictions by the FDA. But you know, you know where else you can find kava? Whole Foods. Would you believe that? You could buy kava leaves. Uh, no powder. In Whole Foods. Yeah, man. That's what I said too. You mean you mean Amazon? That made a gro- bought a grocery store. Come on, I know. Seriously? Yeah, Damn. I mean, it's 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 it was really surprising to me too that they you know they had an interest in offering. It's possible Whole Foods offered it even before the uh, uh, the merging of the two companies, uh, before it got absorbed by Amazon. But still, I, uh, to be able to find it in such a reputable place should tell you that um, it's. It's nothing to, to 
be afraid of. There's there's very little danger, uh, especially especially if you're getting it from a reputable place, uh, health and nutrition stores. Yeah, I mean uh, Whole Foods. Whole Foods is one of those places. They're very expensive, but they're they have a thing with quality. Like they, they fucking better. Yeah, I mean they the the prices they're fucking charging. Yeah, they they better have better quality. you know like this is just a thing especially like when you're dealing with kava there are other types of medicinal plants that are not plants you know one example of this is shilajit it's a blackish brownish resin that comes from layers of rock in several mountain ranges throughout the world including like the himalayan the tibetan and the altai mountains you know shilajit is thought to form in part when certain plant decompose, interesting, it contains an important compound known as fulvic acid and is rich in minerals. So kind of like Himalayan salt, which is caused from water constantly dripping and causing it to, you know, uh, what do you call that? Um, uh, Crystallize. And what you're left is with this resin of crystallized salt, uh, uh, sulfuric uh sulfuric rock salt salt yeah but i mean at least at least that salt uh retains a a greater majority of the the minerals uh versus let's say iodized salt which is highly processed and of course really bad for you uh i mean the you know shilajit is one of many urban mineral formulations um and it's a healing system that originated thousands of years ago in India. It has been used in traditional herbal medicine to treat a wide variety of conditions ranging from bone fractures uh, to impotence. It's available as a dietary supplement. Um, You can read more online about the health benefits, side effects, dosage, preparation, and more. Uh, But Let's talk about, you know, what is it used for? What, what are people using it for as of right now? Um, the research on the potential health benefits of shilajit is limited as of, uh, as of this moment. Uh, very few well-designed, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed human or animal studies have been published. Uh, several preliminary studies suggest that shilajit may have the potential to offer certain health benefits. And... We're going to name a few. Um, there's, one thing, there's one thing we should discuss. Uh, we've been talking about this. Shilajit is extremely expensive. Um, no, I mean, like I've been, I've been using it. I've been experimenting as part of my job. I find these things. I mean, I, it's, I, I saw online it's like two, three hundred dollars. Uh, for how much? I don't know, but it, it's expensive. Nah. 10, 10, I can, you know, a 10, a 10 gram jar, which can last you like months is 40 bucks. That's what I retail them for. I, uh, I picked them up. I started testing them and I realized this is really, really amazing stuff. And naturally it made sense to me. I mean, we're talking about, um, plant matter decomposing that turns into resin. Imagine the nutrients that plant matter has and then eventually turns into this resin that very small amounts of you can add to your uh to your water or whatever 
I mean, you just do it once a day and the amount you're using is micrograms. So depending on your age and your weight, you might be using 0.3 of a gram per day out of a 10 gram jar. So, and you know, in 30 days, that's 30 days. That's what, um, don't look at me. I failed math seven years in school. <laughs> I, I, I'm the worst person to ask. I, you know, I, uh, that's about nine grams, I think. So that's almost a full jar in 30 days, but that's just a rough estimate. Like I take 0.1 of a gram per day and that's three grams per month. So you just have to kind of figure out what's going to be best for you. Um, some of the companies, like the company I'm working with uh, that I sourced it from, they have instructions on the box of based on your, your age and your weight, how much you should be using. Uh, but I'm still in the, in, in the, the phase of uh, uh, testing, trying to see, like quantify specific results. It, you know, they say your energy levels improve uh, and various other things that are noticeable over a period of a month plus of using it. So I'm going to continue doing this until um, I have a pretty good uh, understanding of like what has changed. Do I notice anything here? Uh, but I'm fascinated by it, by all of it. So, I mean, like, you know, you, you've mentioned that there are, you know, uh, health benefits, potential health benefits uh, for shilajit, like uh, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, Alzheimer's disease, sperm count. We're, we're going to talk about sperm count because this is interesting. Uh, high cholesterol. I mean, Okay, I want to talk about the sperm count, but whenever you're ready on that one. <laughs> well, I mean, it says here, the, the study was published in 2010 in a journal, investigated the effects of this dietary supplement in 35 infertile men after taking 100 milligrams of processed shilajit in capsule form each day for 90 days. 28 of the study participants showed significant increases in sperm count. The amount of healthy sperm and sperm uh, motility, a measure of how well the sperm move. It's so you mean like this is a cure for men infertility? I mean, but as well as we, we don't know this yet, but no, but that's a that's not a bad it's a small number, right? 35 men, um, and 28 showed positive results. Uh, that's 70 percent, 80 percent of the participants, but 60 no, that's 68 percent. So that's a lot of people. Um, that's a good percentage range. Uh, does it need more study? Sure. But that's just one thing. Um, it's been said to uh, promote anti-aging. It's been said to do a lot of different things. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think the studies, the research uh, should continue. We'll learn more over time. I mean, well, one thing we should we should discuss though is Shilajit is probably the, the newest of the ones that have been more open and more um, more well known than the other ones. I feel uh, like, it's, de it's definitely been around a while, but uh, like, more known to the public, I would say probably more recent. I mean, compared yeah. to Kava, I mean Kava's been known for what 10, 15, 20 years. Right. That's a big, it's a big difference. So, yeah. uh, 
it's just where we are as a society, you know, more people are interested in just alternative dietary nutritional supplements. Uh, it's not to say that it's a new thing, but uh, no, alternative health is it's funny though, because alternative health started happening in the seventies, this whole idea of alternative type of eating and living and um, adding certain nutrients, superfoods, proteins to our body. Uh, you know, we, we've gotten to a point where alternative medicine, this has become a very new thing where a lot of parents, a lot of individuals, they're looking into all, you know, other alternative, you know, uh, alternatives. <laughs> yeah. Just alternatives. Just alternatives. I mean, I- I'm I'm really interested in this high cholesterol thing because that, that's something that many many people in our country suffer from. Let's let's talk about this too. Yeah. Um, small study published in '03 found improvements in cholesterol levels when 30 individuals, ranging in ages from 16 to 30, were studied. Participants were randomly placed in two groups. One group of 20 participants, two grams of shilajit per day for 45 days. Another group of 10 participants took sugar pills. Researchers found significant decreases in cholesterol levels and triglycerides in the shilajit group compared to the placebo group. High cholesterol and high triglycerides increase your risk of de- developing heart disease. Shilajit group also had improvement in antioxidant status, a measure of how well the body protects cells from damage. However, Study authors tested for, but did not see changes in blood pressure, pulse rate, or body weight. I mean, for your body weight, you're going to have to diet and exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Eat better. I mean, this is fascinating right here. This is pretty useful. Um, Who knows what we'll, what we'll discover in the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, continue to study it. I mean, the whole thing is to kind of be able to open up to see the different ideas I mean, some of these are new. We still have to wait for the research. But as time goes on, we will have the facts and we will have the information to be able to understand it more and know, yeah. you know what to use it for. With yeah. that, guys, uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash lost in the groove. Become one of our Patreon members and to be a part of the Lost in the Groove family. Uh, you guys can also check out our other two podcasts, which are Jam Bam with Mike and Dave, which is our Patreon-only podcast, and the Shindig Variety Show, which is our YouTube podcast. Um, all links and descriptions will be in the description box below. Thank you guys so much for watching. See you guys next Tuesday. Peace.